0: Look, there's been plagues forever. There's been wars forever. There's been a destruction of, of the cave that you were reenacting, the, the big hunt from today. There's all sorts of things that have gotten in the way of theater, and theater's still around.
1: Obviously, for um, for lighting, it's a different process. Televised events versus live theater. How about for you? I mean, and and do you think one is more difficult than the other?
0: No, uh, I I think basically the only thing that changes between doing TV mm-hmm. and doing live theater is the eyeball that's telling the story. Yeah. Okay. So the everybody who's in a live experience audience needs to have the ability to see something wherever they turn their head. Right.
2: Sure. Sure.
0: And these days it it has to touch all the senses for the experience to be something that moves you. Yeah. Okay. When you're doing TV or movies, Mm -hmm. you you're affected by the director's choice of where to put the camera.
2: Right. Right.
0: And, and in some cases, like uh, when I did MTV's wonderland, it was a, a series on MTV uh, that was basically a live event.
2: Yeah, it looked with, great. With,
0: with three to five bands or performers playing in front of a live audience in a downtown rough neighborhood uh, multi-venue space. Yeah. And and the the good part about that and the challenging part was that they had over 30 cameras. Yeah. In some cases, the cameras were mounted to the performers yeah. or to the performers' instruments or to... Uh, people in the audience dancing or, you know, steady cams running through the audience. So right. you have to think in terms of like when you're doing a movie, they could change the camera angle at any posi- any time. Yeah. So you have to be careful what you don't treat. Right. Okay. So we had to think about those kind of situations in the theater. You often don't Now That's not to say in all theater that's true because there's plenty of experiences that theater has done where have been what they call environmental Treatment. Yeah, where you're in a big empty space. I, I was uh, hired to do uh, a musical version of a Clockwork Orange once, and it was going to be a walk-through experience in an old slaughterhouse in Italy.
1: <laughs> oh man,
0: it, it would have been great. A playwright, you know, Anthony Burgess, uh, who wrote the original novel. Yeah, he, he died of a heart attack right as we were in pre-production, and his wife pulled the rights to everything, and that was it. Wow. But the, the cool part was that we were going to have to figure out what the audience saw everywhere they went. Yeah. Like you couldn't just say, okay, when they get in this room, the curtain's gonna open and there's the scene. Yeah. They were gonna be in the scene. They were gonna be in the milk bar. They were gonna be in the rich people's home that was being terrorized. Right, right. So all of that stuff had to be thought through. So it's not to say that there's not similarities to those kind of situations in the theater, yeah. but more often than not, the thing that changes everything is the camera's eye. And now that the camera is HD, you know, we have to worry about a lot more things like seams and flaws. So that can be that can be challenging.
1: Yeah. Oh my God, I remember uh, sitting sitting back a house at the ICC and and having you on camera trying to just trying fixing the seam behind <laughs> behind our. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's the thing. If you've got a seam that's right behind the broadcaster's head, you can't have that. Yeah. And and when HD became a thing, yeah, it it changed the life of broadcasters everywhere, because suddenly the older folks who were in front of the camera, who were accepted as the voice of the city for years, were suddenly much older than they were the day before. Yeah, (laughs) Disappointing, but it is something we have to think about. What is, what is it that we put in front of the camera, whether it's live or whether it's, something else in the background. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think to me, that's where my, um, that's where having an education that forced me to, uh, look at the other design disciplines and not solely focus on lighting design. That's, that's really helped me when I've transitioned to camera work because you're, and also in dance, I have to say, because so many dance productions, you don't have a proper scenic designer. Uh, certainly the smaller contemporary dance work.
0: You are the designer. Right, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I just did this show at with Ballet Idaho and the choreographer, you know, had uh, he had some ideas that were scenically based and he built a concept that was really lighting friendly and lighting heavy. But, you know, we're, we're flying in, you know, uh, we flew in a psych from their old studio that was 12 feet tall. And we put, you know, park hands on the bottom of, Uh, steel pipes and flew them at different trim heights and uh, you know, projected on the back of a black scrim and we, and he had the dancers pulling the Marley up at the end of the piece, which was really fantastic. And it it was a wonderful project, but it was, you know, I realized kind of halfway through like, Oh, I'm being a sonographer here. I'm not just the lighting designer. Um, But I think when you, uh, when you look, when you, when you as an LD look through the camera lens you, you are, uh, you're not just, you know, you're creating an environment on top of an environment. Yeah. You, the, I mean, the lighting, particularly with the uh, accepted aesthetic for, you know, I mean, look at the Super Bowl, right? Like, how many, how many Super Bowl halftime shows have we seen without haze? The answer is zero. You know? <laughs> uh, well,
0: we have to see the beams.
1: Right, that's, right. It's, it's,
0: it, that's the same in rock and roll, too. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's become part of the design aesthetic. Yeah. So, uh, Wonderland looked fantastic. By the way, uh, yeah. I was so happy when you got it, and so happy to see how, how it turned out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I was teamed up with a really group, a great group of of, of people on that done and dusted. Yeah, was producing it, and they've they've done just about everything you've seen uh, of note of late, and they're even in charge of this Disney project that's happening every Sunday night. It seems like we're a sing along. Oh yeah. We- so uh, they are really great to work with. And also, again, it was my first time working with them, but quickly I, uh, they found that I was something to rely on. Yeah. And, and I was there all the time. So it was, it was a great experience, 10 weeks of actual taping. So yeah, uh, it was fun. I will say it, it taught me a lot about live TV. Yeah. Okay, so think about, think about uh, on Monday, yeah. Shows on Friday night. Yeah. On Monday. And it's a live show. It's mm-hmm. on Friday night. Monday, you find out who's performing on Friday. Oh man. <laughs> Thursday, the creative team comes up with the concept of how the hosts interact with the talent, where the talent might be in the space yeah. and it informs the design staff of what they're thinking about. Yeah. And then Wednesday we build or paint or weld or prop or do anything else that has to happen. Get it set up. Thursday we do camera tech. Yeah. In rehearsal, uh, in trailers, and then Friday, we do music tech,
2: mm-hmm.
0: sound checks, and then we do a live show with 2,500 kids running around inside of it. And it, th- you get the weekend off, and Monday, you start again. Wow. And so the, the energy that surrounds something so dependent on collaboration is intense and fabulous yeah and and not everybody's there all the time you know the sure. stage managers don't come in until we start doing uh text mm-hmm. and the, the staging supervisor is there helping get stuff started but the guys who are start in charge of backline don't show up until the morning on friday so there's constant fluctuation and flexibility that's on 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 display constantly yeah. plus your director's in the truck Watching all the cameras, the thirty-plus cameras that we have, so they're saying, "Hey, we need something here. What can we get?" And so then my staff of twenty-nine to thirty-two people, depending on the week, yeah. of welders and proper's and carpenters and staging supervisors and and dressers and painters, all those people waiting mm-hmm. right there to get started on something, and so we attack. Yeah. It's like real energy. It's, it's, I, I didn't know. It's like those moments that I was telling you. Rachel thinks about, yeah. like, how do you know you can do it?
2: Right, right.
0: And you don't, but you just go with your instincts, and usually it can pull you through. Now, that's not to say there weren't problems here and there Sure, and, and challenges in other places and confrontation in some cases, yeah. but ultimately, it all worked out
1: that makes a lot of sense. I mean when a schedule that tight you just you have to you have to have <laughs> all hands on deck so to speak.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that that's the good part is uh you know, I had a great I had a crack staff. My art director Zaya Maurer, has been nominated or won tons of Emmys. Oh, great. She, she knows how to do what she does. I had to learn what I don't do and what I do do as production designer on a tv show because sure. production designers don't draft as much as i like to draft yeah but so the assistant art director takes care of that stuff and i can find the stuff online but it's really my art director who has to ha- handle that with the with the propers and the shoppers and all that yeah so so you are there to be creative yeah which i love
1: what a unique kind of job we just need you to be here and be creative
0: yeah, and 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 go in the trailer all the time and take a look at it and make sure it looks good on camera. Because what you what you see in front of your face is often not as uh, it doesn't convey the message we're talking about Right. you see it in the truck. So, it was back and forth.
1: Yeah, I I th- I think that's so it's so important with camera work, you know. I a lot of a lot of younger assistant LDs that we'll bring into into gigs that uh i you know I do a lot of work with Jaeger Design, whom you know, and you know when we're on large scale Microsoft shows and we've got you know fifteen rooms and they each have an l d in them they don't all have you know a camera background and right. so what you know teaching them to go to the shader first of all that that their monitor is more important than the sta- than what the stage looks like from the back of the house uh and most of them get that but uh, if you have a theatrical background as an LD, you've got no understanding of how important the shader is right, right. until yeah. you're there and you look at the monitor and you go like, well, why does this look kind of green? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't quite click.
0: Yeah. Or, or from a scenic standpoint, why, why is the background more yes, and that's, that's because the led is too close. In some cases you can fix that with a camera lens, but yeah, in, in, in other cases, uh, Affordably, you can't. Yeah. And so you've made a big mistake. And so you often have to really consider where the camera position is going to be when you're designing whatever is behind them.
2: Right. If yeah. It
0: can look really boring, or they can dress in the same color as the background. <laughs> and like the, the CEO is a floating head. Oh, man. That's, that's dangerous. But we all learn the power of lighting in that case because if you don't have the money or the time to change the background, then you better get your ace. Uh, palace lighter in there (laughs) to make it look different in the background. Yeah. I once had a a plinth behind the speaker that had no texture to it and was reflecting light. Yeah. And it it was a shiny, low pile carpet. And so I had him pull the carpet off and turn it over and we used the burlap backing as the background and it looked fantastic. (laughs) It was already cut to shape, just
1: backwards. Yeah, sure, just backwards. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, I think it's important when you're, you know, we. I think we both do a lot of events that are like, there's a live audience and it's getting taped or live webcast. And I think it's so important to be on both sides of the lens, right? Like Uh being, if you're just stuck, at the table looking at the monitor, then you you either need somebody you trust in the actual space telling you what's going on, or you need to be able to be there while decisions are being made and then, you know, compare it to the lens, compare it to the monitor and vice versa. I think it's so important to to be able to understand both and understand why both are different uh, and how the choices you're making are going to affect both differently.
0: For Wonderland, we had uh, we had two directors. We had a uh, change because of scheduling. The director changed midstream, and yeah. frequently in a TV show, you will have multiple directors yeah, yeah. Anyway, because some are working on the next episode right. in in pre production right. and figuring out what they do. And uh, obviously, if you look at any TV show like Game of Thrones or Stranger Things or anything, they're directed by a, a small pool of people yep. who who know the project well or. or who are in it to win it yeah but, but don't do all of it
2: yeah yeah
0: so there's there's little nuances that that adjust when that happens some directors are much more uh down on the ground yeah talking with the talent mm-hmm. and others are a little less like that a little more uh set apart and reactive
1: yeah yeah that makes sense um, speaking about talent, uh, I want to talk about your work in the music industry. Uh, I mean, not just, uh, Wonderland, but you've had some interesting experiences with a number of different artists. Uh, you refer to them as, as a list talent artists, yeah. right? Yeah. How does that change the pro the approach to the work and the process and, and the expectations on you?
0: Remember that, uh, Couple of minors that I got at Wichita State while I was waiting to get into Boston <laughs> university. One of them was psychology. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so there's there's times where you're put in a position where you actually have to use psychology. Yeah. Uh, because people who are A-list talent, they know how to ask for what they want, and they know what they want for the most part. Yeah. Uh, they know also what they don't want. Right. And if you're new to them, it, there's a a level of distrust because they most of them come with a persona and a look and feel which goes as much with their music as as their personality, their voice, or their or the music they're playing. Yeah. So, so you have to be concerned that uh, you're the guy that's got to support them and not get in the way, right? But true. you also have to solve their problems. Yeah. So, in in a lot of cases, in Super Bowl halftime shows. One, some of the uh, talent at MTV uh, Wonderland was some, but you know, I worked a lot with Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Uh, and, and he knows exactly what he needs often. Uh, and it's my job to solve it, but it's usually, it's like a reality TV program. Yeah, yeah. You, you hear in the morning and it's got to happen and it's got to be on stage that night. Yeah. So it's, you know, if you're familiar with the show Project Runway, it's like a, a make it work moment. Yeah. Okay. So you 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 have a series of questions you ask the. It's usually not Snoop who's giving you the details. It's usually the touring manager or the production manager, mm-hmm. uh, and and he'll say something like, "We need six pop-up stripper poles." Yeah. In the show tonight. Yeah. And uh, my series of questions are intended not to not to delay the next steps, but to right. minimize how much work we have to do. So first I ask, where are you? Yeah. Second I ask, how much money do you want to spend? Third I ask, does it have to stay on the tour or does it have to go in the trash? Yeah. Does it go under a plane or in a, does it have to fit in a duffel bag or is there a case that needs, you know? And in this case with stripper poles and it's been many different things. Yeah. In this case with stripper poles, I was like, how heavy are the ladies? Right. on it right and and do those polls magically appear mm-hmm. or do they come out during a song that's specific to stripper poles yeah that kind of thing and you know you get your answers and you hang up mm-hmm. and if you know they're in jacksonville florida you call the closest shop that you've worked with and say i need you to clear your slate today it's a make it work moment uh, yeah so we have this much money we need to do these things it has to you know as they said the answer to me was about the weight of the girls it's going to be local talent wherever it goes on the tour. Okay. It could be, in some cases, it could be 119 pounds stripper. In other cases, depending on where you are, it could be closer to 325. <laughs> yeah. And so your pop-up stripper pole needs to stand by itself and not bend. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And
0: it also has to come from nowhere and be assembled in a blackout really quick. Oh, wow. And be, and be self-supporting yeah. without being attached to anything. Yeah. Okay, so... I came up with a rough sketch. They did a couple of mock-ups, yeah. sent me videos of it. Mm-hmm. Then we came up with a design. We rushed it to the, to the tour manager. Yeah. He approved it. Yeah. Uh, the shop then made a prototype, which they took a picture of everybody who worked in the shop from the painter who weighed 110 pounds
2: yeah.
0: to the trucker who weighed almost 350, <laughs> who, who drives the truck for a living. But everybody in between, you know, the welder was 200 yeah. and the carpenter was 250. Yeah. and then the, you know, this welder was 280. There's plenty of people you can find in the shop. Right. And, and they took pictures of them hanging in various poses. Wow. Way, way <laughs> so it had to do with the engineering of how deep the box had to be that the hole would move. Yeah. The thickness the OG would be, the OD would be on the pipe. So yeah. it's as possible how heavy it was. And we even made them light up. Wow. So with put, put plexiglass tops on them. So they, they were in every show. Nice. But, the delivery is there. So mm-hmm. working with working with somebody who's got that persona, you know immediately what style they need to be. Yeah. Okay. Somebody like Snoop, you know all the time. When you work with new acts, and frequently I'm asked to work with new acts, like when Halsey was breaking uh, out. Yeah. Uh, I had some quick work with with her, and boy, Epic was another one that I worked with. I know nothing about them other than their music.
1: Right. Right
0: you have to make assumptions about it, which in some cases can get you in trouble yeah. because you don't have the time to develop a, a conversation. When I worked with Mary J. Blige yeah. uh, and, and Missy Elliott, yeah. you, you get sent to be with them at rehearsal. So oh, there's a wow. much more, there's a much more cohesive one-on-one conversation that takes place and a quick feedback moment. Yeah. And time is a little bit longer. Yeah. Snook, Snook, Snook likes to go fast and furious, yeah. you know, Calls you three days before Halloween for video content for a Halloween party. Oh wow. For LED floor. You know, so that kind of you gotta you gotta jump at it. Same same thing applies to what Rachel said about how do you know you can do it, and about are you making the right decisions? If you've got a design sense and you know the music, yeah. If you immerse yourself in the music, you can nine times out of ten be spot on.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I
0: like I like working with those folks because Normally, they're they're normal people, right? You know, it's very rare. It's all the ones that I was told they're going to eat your brain. You know, when you walk in there, yeah, the and the and and people of that caliber, right. and old school, and blah blah blah. Aerosmith, and yeah, all those. It, you get this. uh You get this expectation that they've been around so long that they're just going to slam you down and say it has to be this way. Paul McCartney's another one. Oh sure, and and obviously. That's not what they do for a living. Right. What they do is they create. So they're, they're happy for the collaboration. Yeah. For the most part. There's a couple of them out there that you can say you never want to work with again, too. That's <laughs> the beautiful thing about being a freelancer. Right. You don't have to work in the same prison all day, every day. And I say this to the kids all the time. You don't like this gig? Yeah. It's not a coal mine. You don't go in this mine for the rest of your life. Right. It's usually six weeks and you're done. And you move on yeah. and you don't have to work with them again. You can say, Hey, I'm too busy. From
1: everything that you're saying, it seems like, uh, not only are there commonalities between the approach for each style of design, but also that you, what you learn from one thing helps you in the, in another. Yes. Of and that's really interesting to me. Particularly when I was starting out, I thought, Oh, well, I don't know about, if I don't know about camera lighting, I've, you know, then I've got to learn about camera lighting specifically. You know what I mean? But in reality, everything I know about lighting for a stage is, is also stuff that I take to working behind a camera.
0: Right. But you also have the ability to communicate with your collaborators about those things. Yeah. And, and one of the things I learned from the designers I assisted years ago, like James Leonard Joy, yeah. they, they don't have a problem asking. It was one of yeah. the best lessons that I could ever learn from somebody at a young age, mm-hmm. watch James Leonard Joy either self-deprecate his way into learning about what he didn't know yeah. or actually saying, I'm really not, I'm not in tune with this. I need you to help me. Yeah. And and that played a big role in so many aspects of my career. When I, when I did uh, wild women blues, uh, another musical that I did in Europe, mm-hmm. I was working with ancient, really powerful blues ladies with brown, You know, the uh, lots of really, really important things that were second nature to them were brand new to me.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: So so I had two choices. I could either embarrass myself by not understanding or I could open myself up by really wanting to learn. And most everybody wants to talk about the craft. Yeah. My, My mom used to say, if you ever get jammed up and feel uncomfortable, start asking questions of people about themselves. People love to talk about themselves, yeah, and so that's a way to get through a a, a situation where you don't know what what to do to help those people out. Right. You can actually start talking to them about what they do and find a way
1: I'm always surprised by who ends up being super down to earth and who ends up being just a giant pain in the ass, yeah. you know <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> I mean really oh, and yeah. truly i I was on this uh this terrible Christmas Carol. Uh, John Goodman uh, and um, uh, Christopher Lloyd were Whoa. both in it. And I remember my favorite memory of John Goodman is like being in the same pair of like white New Balance sneakers that my dad wore and, and like helping our stage manager change scenery in the rehearsal space. You know, he would grab the other end of the table and help her move it off stage. And like I thought like, this is John Goodman and he's just like, you know, jumping in and helping, like how yeah. interesting. I, I'd really love to, I, I'd like to ask you kind of a bizarre question. Um, and I want to, I'd love to hear your answer in relation to both you and the industry in general. Uh, do you think that designing for theater is a thing of the past?
0: Uh, well, I think it depends on the designer, obviously, you know, Sure. If, yeah. Uh, I believe, I believe that, that whatever the virus is gonna do to live event include theater. So yeah. w- I'm not sure where theater is gonna be and how soon it's gonna be before everybody feels safe or comfortable yeah. going into a small space and breathing everybody else's fumes. Right. So uh, I, I, as far as my personal belief, I will forever take as many theater jobs as I can. Yeah, and And I think you learn a ton on, uh, those projects, for the reasons we've talked about before, you develop new collaborations and new friendships. You also have to think about things creatively.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's how it's how we started, right? So something very comfortable to us, like going home to your favorite city, or yeah. or or getting into your childhood bed, or any of those things. Yeah, it, it's like that in a way. So I I think there's always look. There's been plagues forever. There's been wars forever. Yeah. There's been a destruction of, of the cave that you were reenacting, <laughs> yeah. the big hunt from today. Right. There's all sorts of things that have gotten in the way of theater and theater is still around. Yeah. So as long as people have stories to tell, there's going to be a live version of that storytelling. It's, it's like reminding, not saying that in all areas of the business, people don't prove to you why we should be doing what we do. Sure, yeah. It seems like way more often than not across the board, everybody is showing you every day how important working in the theater is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think I, I love, I love the way you put it as far as like, you know, uh, slipping back into your childhood bed, you know, there is a familiarity to it.
0: It, It is like going to your childhood bed mm-hmm. it, when you start working in the theater again, even though it may be a different theater, it's not just the ones that you've worked in that have that feeling though. There was a time when I was going back to my high school, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was probably, Four years after I graduated from college, I was going back to my high school doing big musical variety shows, designing the scenery and painting and building it. And and I will say that that there's never been a theater because that's where I started. Yeah. Right. That, that first place that you worked in. Yeah. Whenever I went there, I had all those feelings. Yeah. That came rushing back.
2: So yeah.
0: I, I think that's what we are, you know, as artists. Yeah. We retain lots of those those uh wonderful moments in our brain, in our heart or in our soul. Mm-hmm. And same with relationships. Like I said, it's 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 uh they're created because of the need for trust. Yeah. And the making it happen at the last second, all hands on deck. That that continues to build those little houses in our in our brain. So we run into those people again. It's like super comfortable.
1: Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um I'd love to talk about your your daily creative practices, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Sarah Cohen, uh, likes to say that your full name is Michael E. Downs and that the E stands for extra.
0: That's what I told her. That's
1: what you told her. (laughs) I'd love to know what you do every day and, and why.
0: Okay. So what you're referring to is that, that I post a lot on social media Fun, interesting, creative, sometimes funny, mm-hmm. sometimes thought-provoking, but in, in most cases artistic in some way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, posts on Facebook of things that I see. I, I wake up in the morning very early. I don't sleep very much. I sleep maybe four or five hours a night. Yeah, and and I get up early and I I spend my first two cups of coffee with what's happening around the world as far as news. As far as art, as far as creativity, things like that, and I have some go-to sites yeah. that, that that have inspired me in the past. Yeah. And like I spoke about earlier in this in this conversation, that immersing yourself in those creative moments yeah. fuels your own creativity because you see what's possible, you see how people are thinking, you see how the same things that you had thought would look this way can be completely different through the eyes of another artist. And I add five or six or ten or nineteen things on there to share with everybody else. Yeah. And, and what that does is it gets my creative brain working, right? Mm-hmm. Also, what it does is it informs the people who follow me that I'm still in touch with what's happening in the world.
2: Sure, yeah.
0: So in a way, it's reminding them that I'm not just a designer, but I'm a participating creative person. Yeah. Who, who is being affected and affecting things in the world. So some of the things I post are my own, some of the things I post are uh, most of the things I post are are found and and I give tribute to those yeah, usually there's a website so you can go learn more about those artists so it's it's my own networking way yeah uh, to, to get other artists more well known in areas of the world that may they may not be yeah uh, some of the other things I do is i, I tend to uh, I tend to draw every day and and I draw with a pencil or crayons or markers or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever's in the drawer, it's called mixed media. That's the official definition of mixed media is whatever I reached into the drawer and got (laughs) And and what I do in in a way. It's like you wouldn't ask an athlete not to, not to practice or warm up or do the same things every day.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Muscle memory is everything. Not just about where the pens are in my cups. Right, right. I can be the drummer of design. Yeah. but, But, the fact that you know how to draw stuff yeah. because you continually do it. Mm-hmm. So creativity is important. Drawing is important. Jobs that have to happen, I, I have to tend to those. Yeah, sure. So the changes that happen from the day before because often I'm in a different time zone. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so uh, projects that are continuing on after I go to sleep or are getting started way before. I was working on a project last December that covered almost every time zone in the world. Oh, wow. The, were in Russia, the, there was teams in Sweden, mm-hmm. there was teams in Germany and uh, London, and then there were teams throughout the United States, in Asia, yeah. and so forth. So there there are projects that continue on that need your attention. And so first catching up on all the projects that need to happen, checking in with your calendar is very important, obviously.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh,
0: and, and plotting out the future, because uh, frequently a question I'm asked is how many projects do you have working at, at any given moment? And, and that informs this uh, part of the response to this question. Mm-hmm. Is If you are like any designer, you have, you have 10 to 15 projects at some level of participation, sure. whether you're trying to work the contract out, whether you're reading up on it, studying, doing research, rough sketches, yeah. meetings, calls, all that stuff, all the way down to just trying to figure out how to get the load in yeah. or opening the show. So th- there's there's plenty of things to do on projects that are happening constantly. So spending the morning developing the creative brain, the physical body mm-hmm. and catching up on what's necessary to get the uh, calendar back up to speed and getting things delivered on time. Yeah. I don't like to be late with anything because I don't like people to, I'm a little bit of a, uh, perfectionist when it comes to my own stuff, Yeah. that the longer you're quiet, the more other people make decisions about your stuff. Yeah. So I yeah. feel like I need to be participating. There's pl- plenty of people, including Sarah Cohen, who mm. have said to me, why don't you just let them figure it out and then then work on it? You you tend to answer their request every time they give you a request. Yeah. And so that that's probably... Uh, training them or grooming them mm-hmm. to feel like they can do that no matter what.
1: Yeah, there's some danger in that.
0: You get to the point where I think you can know when it's it's uh, basically uh, not as important as getting what's been decided. And that, that comes with the confidence of being th- been through it, having been through it many times before that you can talk to your client and say, look, I think it's really late in the game to integrate a new idea. Right. It's, this one is working for everybody on the team, right. and we are processed. It's going to cost us a lot more money, and that's usually the money. Thing. yeah yeah like, oh, yeah no, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah so my, my particular day is is filled with creativity and filled with uh, physical activity, for drawing, and filled with lots of thought yeah. and and following the the processes that are in place.
1: Sure, sure.
0: Um, Never a dull moment. Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) So here, uh, uh, this, the next question I want to ask you is, uh, is a question that I'm interested on in two different layers, both professionally and personally. Are you someone that works alone or do you have a support team? And I'm not talking about collaborators on a project. I mean, specific to your process.
0: Yes. The answer is, is, Yes, because I do both. Yeah, it depends on the project. Obviously, if you're working in the theater, you can't afford to pay a lot of the staff. Yeah, sure. That you would hire on a bigger project to do. However, there are times where you're so busy on so many projects that there's the money can can spill over and and get some support. But most often, mm-hmm. uh, I seek support from draftsmen, yeah, from from uh, 3D animators, from cinema 4D artists, from graphic people. From from video uh, from the guys that write code for for games sure. to video production, all sorts of stuff. So uh, I do have what we call permalancers yeah. in the business. That's freelancers who are not con- connected to you in any permanent way. Yeah. So they are there. It's like break glass when you need me. Right. Yeah. But because and there's a it's a great thing to be known for. And I'm not shooting my own horn here. I'm just saying that. My dad taught me this. You pay people on time and people will answer your call.
1: Yeah. Oh my God.
0: And, yeah. And so I spend a lot of my time uh, calling the same people over and over to see about their availability. And they will say, oh, I've got a couple of other gigs going on, but please tell me what it's like. Maybe I can do both. Or maybe I can put that other one off to get yours done. Yeah. Because they know not only do I pay on time, mm-hmm. but I also ha- i am confidently aggressive that my idea is the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So. <laughs> So they're not having to fumble through a lot of revisions usually for me. I'm very specific about what I want. Yeah. And usually by the time it gets to the support level, there's a serious amount of thought behind it that makes their job a lot easier. Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah. Um, so then on the flip side, uh uh what's your support team uh like? Uh you are based in Wichita, Kansas. Uh yeah. and in the middle. <laughs> uh to which many people would ask why don't you have to be in New York to be a designer? You know,
0: well, I would say a lot of people ask, why aren't you in a bigger market? Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I, there was a time that I was trying to get work here in Wichita, Kansas, Mm -hmm. designing stuff at the local science museum. And the people that ran the science museum at that time actually came right out and said, why would I hire you? You live in Wichita. (laughs) And, and I said, well, I mean, you could look at the body of my work. And that speaks for itself about my capabilities. But also, I save you money. You don't have to pay for travel or housing or per diem or rental cars or any of that stuff. So so there's a financial reason to hire me. But more often than not, if you live in the town where you're trying to seek work, often people believe that you couldn't make it somewhere else. Right, sure. (laughs) Matt, I've lived in 27 places my whole life. Man. You know, three times moved to New York City. I've lived in L.A., yeah. I've lived in Wichita, I've lived in Chicago, I've lived in New Orleans, Houston. I've lived all overseas for periods of time. And yeah. whenever you work on the Olympics, you basically have to transfer <laughs> your, your, your stuff there. So, so I, I believe that nowadays, it used to be a problem. It used to be that, that if you moved to Kansas and away from New York City or Los Angeles or any of the big markets, that people thought you got somebody pregnant or you had to go home and take care of the farm <laughs> because your parents were killed in a horrible accident with a cop. Line. Right. So those those things are passed because we're so connected now. Right. And I first of all, I've done everything I can except this particular uh, interview to make everybody confused about it. My <laughs> cell phone is a New York City cell phone number. I still have information on social media that says I'm in LA. Yeah. I have a, a, a mailing address in LA and I have a mailing address in, in Wichita. So there is <laughs> a, a bit of confusion about where I am anyway. Yeah, sure. As, as I tell everybody who, uh, who wants to hire me from a distance Yeah, is in, I'm usually on the road all the time anyway.
2: Right. Sure.
0: So really having knowing where you're living does, should not indicate the talent that you have. For anything especially these days
1: right, right. I see uh, I see a lot of really successful um, road LDs that you know they save money, they buy a place upstate in Washington and or they're in Bend, Oregon, or you know there's mm-hmm. some place that they like living and that yeah. they can afford. they're not you know they're not taking the A train in uh, to an office on 44th Street. Every day, you know, I
0: would would love that. I would, I would love to still live in Venice, California, and I would love to live in New York City. There's so much opportunity there for me. But I'm, you know, since I've lived in in Wichita these eleven years, yeah, I've worked on the Vancouver Olympics, yeah, I've worked on a TV show for MTV, you know, and countless projects all over the world, yeah, you know. So, so I'm, I'm not sure it's dragging me down. I, I think. I think there was a time not long ago, maybe 90, maybe it all stopped around the change of millennia. Yeah, that, that around nineteen ninety nine is when we all started understanding that the world was a lot smaller than we thought it was. Yeah, uh, and that we didn't have to rely on fashions that were developed in France to get to America <laughs> and then wa- find their way into the middle of the United States. I think now everything happens concurrently. Yeah. So, I don't think it's, it's that big a deal. Plus I would never be able to afford the kind of office space.
1: Right. (laughs) So, okay. Well, but before we, before I ask the next question, um, your support team at home in your personal life, of course, you're married to the wonderful Rachel Downs Yeah, and you have, three rambunctious giggle filled children.
0: I don't know where they get that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I don't know where they get their creativity or their boundless energy from either of you. Yeah. Uh, Just for context, you are going to be a groomsman in my wedding. And years ago, I, which I'm super excited about, uh, years ago, my first summer at music theater, Wichita, I met a, props artisan named Rachel at the time Prohaska, I believe. And she was one of the nicest people I'd ever seen face to face. And she invited everyone across in the electrics department to have lunch with the props department outside. And, you know, and we became good friends and I worked at MTW for um, four summers over five years And uh, in that time, I was finishing my undergraduate degree and moving to Chicago and uh, sort of and starting my career uh, sort of for real, I guess. And, you know, every time I came back to Wichita to visit family, I would run into somebody from MTW and, you know, and I I met you through Rachel and got to know you over the years. And it's been such a pleasure. And I and and then also eventually we got to work together. And I always just think like how bizarre of like I met this and, and Rachel's a phenomenal talent in and of herself, yeah. you know, yeah. at many a writer, things.
0: Writer, scenic artist. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Neuralist. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, I mean really and truly, and you know, it just, it's so funny to me that like you, I mean, you know, but you don't really know that like a uh, one conversation you have can sort of like, kick the pebble rolling down one part of the hill and into this part of the stream or whatever, you know, like how yeah. bizarre, uh, I mean, really and truly.
0: That's what I go back to that, that thing we were talking about earlier where you'd never say no. Yeah. Okay. So, so if you would have said when Rachel came down there and said, Hey, does the electrics group want to have lunch with the prop tarts? Yeah. <laughs> what if you said, no, you would have missed out on that and you would have missed out on all the things that that led to. Yeah. Yeah, because I I, I don't know uh, if if you would have had the same relationship with Sarah Cohen if you didn't have the ammunition of having Rachel already <laughs> in the bank. Yeah, you know what I
2: mean?
0: yeah, and she, she's an incredible person for sure. Yeah, and 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 that is the beauty of who we are as theater persons, mm-hmm. you know, with the people that we are inside about looking for the right combination and seeing the good in people and seeing and offering trust up. It's yeah. it's. It's a great thing, and plus, summer theater, music theater, of, of Wichita is at the top of the list for every, It's like the Law and Order in everybody's playbill in New York yeah. City. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. Everybody's worked here, and everybody has the same thing to say about it: is yeah. that you work really hard, and you make friends that last a lifetime, and you learn the craft that will continue to make your life better forever. Yeah, and, and those are those are incredible words that can only be uh, substantiated by. Real people,
2: yeah, yeah, and the
0: story you just told, yeah, you know. So, so uh, I I find that the relationships that grow out of relationships are often as important, yeah, not secondary and not twice removed and all that stuff. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. like they're their own entity. Yeah. So, so I'm thankful that that you and I met the way we did, and that that I got to work with you on a wide variety of of projects and. You know, you're at the top of the list for collaboration. So, yeah, likewise. And, and I love it when you come in town. Yeah, it's not just about the wedding. You know, it's when you come in town, you want to hang out and talk. And, and our conversations are not not always about work; they're about life. Sure. And they're about experience. So that's that's part of life, right there.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I um I love being in your home because it's has such a family environment. And I and I don't mean that like in- we never leave the kitchen. <laughs> right. I I don't. <laughs> I'm a
0: dinner.
1: No, I I don't um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people, uh and and when I say a lot of people, I think of my sort of 19 year old self, you know, think of a family environment as um something that stifles creativity or some you know uh, that
2: depends on the family yeah
1: well right and you know um uh, an environment that involves a level of responsibility that uh that doesn't allow you to sort of reach your full potential and i think as i've uh as i've grown up and i've um and and, and you know so many of my friends and colleagues have become parents or i have worked with more parents i see um I mean, I think there are people that definitely, uh, uh, will use their family to make the safe choice every time. But I also think, you know, when, when I'm in your house, I, uh, uh, there's no, there's no safe choice to be had. <laughs> there's no safe place period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, but three I, kids under 10 will do that. To
1: yeah. You. Right. Yeah. But I mean, Between the two of you, there's, you know, there's such a creative energy in that house and it's not, uh, you know, it's not, it's not feigned. It's not put on. There's no reason to have it other than it genuinely being there. How- can't
0: get away from it.
1: Right, right. I, I'm really interested to hear how being a father and a husband has affected you uh, um, as a person, but also your, your career and your creativity.
0: Yeah, well, I mean- you're talking about two things. Yeah. You're talking about how it affects your career and how it affects work-life balance. Yeah.
1: They're,
0: they're two separate things because work-life balance is important no matter what. Yeah. You know, somebody once some perfect person wrote that you need to work eight hours a day and you need to have eight hours of rest mm-hmm. and then you have eight hours of play and that's the 24 <laughs> hours that makes the perfect person. And that's just not possible in today's day and age Yeah. Uh, for that to really happen. It could happen occasionally, yeah. but it's not something you can depend on Yeah, either, either, you know, we're freelance artists, both of us and both of us own our own companies. Yeah. And both of us have gone through periods of time where we have a lot of employees. Yeah. There's a lot of paperwork and a lot of work to do. And, but we both look at, at parenthood mm-hmm. as, as important as our career. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the career makes it possible for us to, to be in a nice place. Yeah. Financially, that we have a house, we have food on the table. We do, you know, right now is a difficult time with everybody with COVID 19. Yeah. But, but the, the fact of the matter is, both of us have control over our schedules. Yeah. And that's key. I mean, if I was an assistant full time, it'd be a lot more uh, making excuses why I couldn't be around when I needed to be.
2: Yeah, but sure.
0: Being that A, I don't sleep very much. Yeah. And, and B, the, the kids need me. I know that I can balance it out. Yeah. Okay, so there's the uh, confidently aggressive that I can do whatever job is coming my way in a short amount of time. Yeah. But it also means I have to spend the time that I have to work in the most consolidated, positive way. Yeah, yeah. So, so several times in my life, I've had to learn the hard way mm-hmm. things that have changed my career for the better. One was when I worked at Jack Morton Worldwide. Yeah. A marketing company. As a designer, I was sent to L.A. to start a design practice out in the L.A. office of Jack Morton. Yeah. And so, basically, all the people I had to help me draft and render and everything else that were in the office in the New York office were suddenly three hours different.
1: Right. Sure. Right
0: now, right? Sure. So, if I needed them, I had to get up earlier and assume they weren't going to work as late as me. Yeah. That's number one. Number two is I had to find a way to communicate with them as well as I did standing next to them.
2: Right. Right.
0: Okay, so that, that, uh, situation that was put in front of me helped me be a better communicator Yeah, okay, and a better planner. Yeah. So having children and having to negotiate all the stuff that I have to do still, which hasn't changed the amount of delivery I have in the time frames that are so fast and furious. Sure. What it what has changed is that the kids decide when I sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: okay, because because I know I need to spend time with them in the morning and in the, in the evenings, and otherwise other than that, I have time to develop all the projects that I'm working on. But I know that I have less time to fool around.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay? You just have to depend more on your confident, your confidence and your aggression. Yeah, to get through the process. And I won't say it's always easy. Sometimes sometimes it's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, Especially when the kids are super young, yeah, and and all they do is need you. but even when they get older and they start getting involved in dance class and music and all the things that they have to be delivered to, it becomes it becomes a challenge, yeah, uh, that's I'm lucky to have somebody like Rachel, yeah, who goes through the same thing and can appreciate the commitment to the craft, but also understands the commitment to the family. so. It's a real fifty-fifty for us yeah. that we take over, and sometimes, you know, when I was at MTV Wonderland for ten weeks, Oof, she yeah. was the only one, and and she had three, and that's like being a single mother that owns a company. Yeah, and that's that's tough. Yeah, and and it's not perfect, but there are other times where she's teaching classes in another state mm-hmm. and, and is gone, uh, working on projects, painting in Houston, Texas, or Omaha, Alaska or. Things like that. We do try to collaborate on as many projects. Yeah. History Channel pop pop shop. She does. She painted the floor there, so we were up there. But we only had one kid then.
1: Right. Sure. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> so, I mean, there 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 are challenges to every situation you have, mm-hmm. whether you're living by yourself or whether you're in a relationship with no kids or whether you have kids. Yeah. It's it, the challenge is not insurmountable. It just needs more attention. Yeah. And and I think. If we know how we work, all of us, in any business, we know when we need to attack and when we need to focus.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really like that.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of time in the day that could be lost,
1: Yeah,
0: right, if you choose to be lost. Yeah. But, but I have to say that the, having kids and seeing the world through their eyes yeah. has taught me a lot about how to do my job better oh interesting like, like when, you, when you're thinking about creativity there's nothing more creative than a kid that has not been basically formatted into any societal rules and regulations yeah and so to to have a, a mother in the house that loves to spread drop claws out and let the kids paint everywhere yeah including on themselves and experience life creatively like that is is the most you could ever ask for in a partner yeah right? they're, they're you're you're watching your kids expand by the hour about all they do, and that doesn't just mean art. She cooks with them. Yeah, you know she takes them on endeavors. We'll go on walks, things like that. We listen to them. We spend time with them. We also, it's it's important to remember, mm-hmm. and and it's hard to remember this when they're really young. They're only around. For a short amount of time in the in the length of your life, yeah, really. By the time they start having friends and start thinking twice about their parents being the only source of information, yeah, you start you start losing them, yeah. So if you think about it, you get ten years right before you start letting go of them, and then it's eight years of pain before they actually disappear, yeah. And you hope they come back, yeah. So, so if you don't put the work in in the beginning making those connections and, and like I draw with them all the time. We play this game called finish it. Okay. Where where you draw three lines on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. They can be random. They don't have to be organized at all. Yeah. And then the other person has to finish the drawing.
1: Oh, nice.
0: But but you have to make the three lines and you have to say, finish it. (laughs) That's the only rule about it. But it's so amazing because the sky's the limit and you're developing not only their ability to convey an idea, but also their interpretation skills and confidence and all the rest of it. You know, so, so every, every day is a challenge. Mm -hmm. What they, what all the old folks say is true. You know, that, that uh, the, the years fly by, but the days drag on forever. (laughs) That's, that's, that's all true. And, and we have, we are fortunate. Uh, We have healthy kids that have thought process and, Challenge, yeah, and and I'd rather have that than the person that's stuck between a log and a concrete block.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'd love to talk. I'd love to switch gears a little bit um, and talk about some of the work that we've done together, um, and then I'd love to end with things that you tell uh, kids that are just starting out about what yeah. you look for in a in a colleague or a collaborator. Yep. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think that that'll be a good, uh, I know. <laughs> a good denouement as yeah. it were. <laughs> yeah. One of my, one of my favorite things about getting to interview you on this podcast is to record this, uh, this moment you gave me before we had ever really done any work together. You, um, you gave me one of the best compliments of my life. Um, and we were, uh, I was the, I was the lighting director at Hubbard Street at the time. And, you know, we we were saying earlier that I worked at MTW for uh, four years. And uh, Hubbard Street uh, had at the time a, uh, unfortunately, they don't have any more, but they had uh, Hubbard Street 2, which was a professional training company. We took Hubbard Street 2 on tour to Wichita, maybe three or four years after I had done my last, um, my last summer at MTW. And I was so excited because all of my friends in Wichita finally got to see some of my work because all you know I was always an assistant. So we did the show, and uh, Sarah Cohen was there, Rachel was there, uh, and you were there also. Uh, David Neville, who we talked about, who was the uh, at the time the lighting designer for Music Theatre Wichita that I assisted. David gave me a great compliment. He said. Uh, I was going to give you shit about the design, but it was so good that I feel bad that I don't want to shit on it, which is, <laughs> if you know, David Neville is a great David Neville quote,
0: That's a good quote, right?
1: And what you said to me was, uh, I'm so impressed. You, uh, it was so fantastic. Every piece was different. It told a story and the whole evening had an arc. I thought you did so well. And I, I said, you're very kind. Uh, and I was really humbled by that. And then I said, you know, I only had sixty lights, and you said, "But I didn't know that." And I was like, "Oh, it was such a lovely thing to say." And you had no reason to blow smoke up my ass. And I, I think about that a lot because it was it like it uh, not not to use a, a tired metaphor, but a light bulb lit in my head, where you know the entire my entirety of that job as lighting director was like. You know, try sort of triaging equipment to try and recreate a series of designs properly. And you know, I was so focused on the equipment.
0: Yeah, we we often get focused on on the making. Yeah, and not the reacting. Yeah, and I mean, listen, it, we all have trouble taking compliments. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we we all feel like we have to we have to back into the compliment by first explaining the the struggle or the challenge. Sure, but. Don't forget what my parents thought, you know yeah. that, that, it, that whenever the curtain opened, they thought that house was always there. but but it, it it is true. I mean, you you don't we don't know as an audience the struggles that go through or the ideas that were that were first committed to and then changed, or the challenges technically or from a staff, like I bet nobody in that mm-hmm. European gig in Germany knew that your stage manager hung half the lights.
2: Yeah, that's I mean, true.
0: I mean, yeah. It's really, it's really, it's really, knowing that makes, makes a professional like me think you're even better than you are because you did so much with so little. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't change the audience experience if you've delivered them to a place with your craft. Yeah. So that's the important thing. Yeah. The, the other thing that's really important by that story, I think, is that you have to be prepared to respond to someone when they've done a good a good job because yeah. we, we get paid for what we do. Yeah. What, what I saw that night was, was not a former assistant yeah, having a, a stab at a career. What I saw was a, a full blown production mm-hmm. that made sense. That, that meant all of you were on, on target, not just, not just you and your 60 lights.
1: Right. That was, that was one of the better small scale shows I did with that company. Uh more more recently we got to do that um international champions cup launch in New York that we talked about. That was also a, a big moment for me uh to get that call from you because I knew that you were calling me for a for a specific skill set that I had, which was to say yes to a project and do a lot with a little and not 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 be the guy that complains about it the whole time. You know what I mean?
0: Well, none of us were able to. Right, right. You know, it was not, it was not like, I, I, did, I didn't actually think about those, those terms when I made that recommendation to them. I, I did it because I, I believed we needed a designer who could handle the corporate needs, the retail needs, and a theatrical flair. Yeah. And, and, and I thought we needed somebody like yourself who was good with clients and wasn't going to embarrass us. Yeah and and could get it done. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think you were not going to be able to live up to your full potential as a as a lighting director. I thought you were going to exhibit your capabilities as a lighting director. And and you did. You've you've made it like the the executive producer wants to have your you know your name on file. Yeah. And and the people that worked on it later when I worked on The House of Soccer, it's an outdoor experience that had, didn't have a lighting component to it. They all asked how you were. Yeah. So I mean those those kind of things are are good for me too.
2: Yeah, sure. Like
0: like when you when you show up, it's not just about you lighting my plywood box and making it look like it's in a, a palace. Right. It's about you and I making making people really understand that there's a team that works together and can get stuff done. Yeah. And that that project was full of a lot of very large challenges. Yeah. Not just about about technical solutions, Mm -hmm. but about different cameras at different times of day, different light in the space and, and different attitudes and personalities involved, you know, and, and we had celebrities past, present and future, there's a there was a lot to consider, yeah. and any time you put together a project like that, and everybody then has to sit on top of each other in a small amount of space, there's there's uh, room for a disaster. Yeah, but it ended yeah. up working out pretty well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought so too. Um, yeah, we
0: did all that work in, in Microsoft too. That, that yeah. was challenging and gratifying at the same time.
1: Oh yeah, the yeah the Hololens stuff, the
0: Hololens things. Oh, man. Were, were really I thought. We're a good exhibit of how we can work together yeah. to solve problems.
1: Our, our relationship over the years on a professional level has really helped me uh, develop my own confidence, but also understand what, what a production designer, scenic designer, art director needs from me. It's really helped develop my understanding of, of working on different scales. And I, and I really appreciated that over the years, really
0: well here's to more
1: yeah agreed agreed talking about how how much we respect each other as colleagues and collaborators also as people you've got a great list of stuff that you tell students and younger professionals about what you look for what you think is important
0: it's it's not a it's it's not a laundry list or a grocery list as much as it is things to rem- remember if you can yeah. and and it's things that that i've seen work and and done myself, and found that it works, and and all of it adds up to what makes, I think, a successful person. I think I think these things are things that can apply t- to everybody. Yeah, like like creativity, like we talked about with the high jump. Right. But also, creativity isn't about stick figures and crayons. Right. It can be about the uh, the way an accountant sees the new tax laws every year and has to be smart for their clients. Yeah. It can be how engineers can come up with ways to support things. You know, there's, there's a million ways to define creativity. Right, sure. And I think it was Maya Angelou, and I don't know the quote by heart, so I'm paraphrasing, but she said something like, you, you don't use up creativity.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: You, you don't have a finite pile of creativity from which to do your life. Right. You, the more creative you are, the more creativity is bestowed on you.
2: Yeah. So I
0: think that's something to remember when it comes to being creative. So that aside, there's, there's like 10 things that, that I, I, I don't try to tell people how to behave. I say, think about these things. Yeah. And that's a better way to do it. One is always express your opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and I think your opinion counts. So being around people that accept your opinion is important. Yeah, sure. so, so when you're talking about opinion, you're talking about responding, and you're talking about reacting and you're talking about respecting because yes. you have to find a way to talk and reason. So those, those things, that's the number one thing. And mm-hmm. number two, is don't be afraid of technology. Even though yeah. I'm old enough to have started without technology
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and, and drew by hand for years and draw with a pencil still, Sure, I think it's really, really, really important mm-hmm. that we find a way to accept Technology and learn it as it comes. You don't have to be perfect at anything. Sure. But if you have the ability to have a conversation about those things yeah. and communicate with people who are perfect at it, that's where you're going to be successful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So
0: the, the other thing we've talked about a little bit already is never say no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no for, for all of it. You don't ever say no. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that is when somebody invites you to see their work or talk about their work or look around Mm. or don't be afraid to that. You're too tired or you won't make it because like I said earlier, if nothing else, you're going to have a great story at the end. Yeah. Right. The next thing is, is uh, make, make them remember. Yeah. And by that, I mean, make them remember you make them remember what you did. Make you. Make them remember how you did it and how well you did it. Yeah and if you're doing that all the time if you're coming up with ways to r- make people remember you yeah. you're not only going to have a good posse of friends around you but you're also going to have an incredible amount of return work yeah and re- return work is what it's all about ultimately you you don't you don't want to spend that much time trying to get work mm-hmm. you want you want to get you want to get lined up with with people who like working with you and keep working with them as long as you're working. Yeah,
1: yeah, that makes sense.
0: And collaborate is is the other thing. And we've talked about this through this whole call. I don't know that I need to mention too much more about it, but collaboration is everything. Yeah. If you think you're the only important person on the team, <laughs> then you probably shouldn't be working in this industry. Yeah. Because we have to rely on each other, ultimately. Agreed. Okay. So find the difference. Mm-hmm. What's the difference in life, right? What's the difference between a gimmick, and a story. Oh, what's okay. The difference between asking and dictating. Mm. What's the difference between good conflict and bad conflict? Mm-hmm. What What's discomfort mean? So all of those things, finding differences are going to help you because you're going to need to use both ends of those spectrums all the time. Yeah. There's going to be time where you have to have conflict to get what you want, especially if you're confidently aggressive, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there's also going to be times where you need to realign a team that's coming up with a solution to a problem by moving them away from gimmicks and focusing them on what the story is. Yeah, sure. That's that's huge. Mm -hmm. Okay, so sell. Yeah. Sell it, sell me, sell us, sell the, uh, challenge us. That should be the consensus is that we're selling us mostly selling me I come with you yeah and so when you're learn how to sell your idea part of that is your confidence part of that is having a good idea Mm -hmm, yeah (laughs) and and a lot of people have said you know it's tough to get my idea by you Mm -hmm. because you've already got your own set of ideas and I say instead of saying well I'm sorry you should have done I say if you've got a better idea, then you got to be louder than me.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I am going to be open to it. But if you're not saying it, I'm not going to be able to make it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. So selling is important. Uh, support. Support everybody around you. Yeah. And look for those who support you. That's huge too. Yeah. Uh, and look around in the trenches. We've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. You know, the kid in high school that I worked with later went through his own life and raised kids and then became a, a uh, uh, roadie and worked his way up from deck electrician to being production and tour manager for Snoop Dogg. Yeah. And he called me one day and said, Hey, I think the that Snoop needs you. Mm-hmm. And I think like, we haven't worked together since high school. And he goes, Yeah, but I know what you can do. Yeah. Okay. That is that is big. Yeah. So look around in the trenches, no no matter how old you are and how new you are or how busy you are, and notice the people that are working really hard and collaborating well with you because they're moving on a trajectory just like you mm-hmm, different yeah. speeds, and they may end up being the ones that hire you. Yeah. Not just save your ass.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding.
0: All right. And then, and then something that worked works with me all the time is if you're already paying me to be on a gig, mm-hmm. ask if I can help in any other way right. while I'm there. There's like this, like Vancouver Olympics, for example, I was hired and paid mm-hmm. to be there to design the medals plaza on Whistler for all the snow sports. Yeah. But while I was sitting around watching everybody build the humongous set, I had a lot of time on my hands. Mm-hmm. So I said things like, hey, what's happening at the welcome village for the athletes where they live? Yeah. Are they who's designing that stage? Nobody. Hey, can I help you? Wow. Sure. I'm right here. And, and what about the, you know, when, when bobsled is over and the winner is announced, they have a quick ceremony there where they actually give them their medals before they go to the medal plaza oh. and do it. The fans and the TV. Yeah. So who's designing that look? Well, nobody. <laughs> oh, can I help with that? Next thing I know, I have 14 other gigs. Yeah. So you think about it, well, as long as you're there, what else are you working on? Right. What can I help you with? Do you need help with that? Mm-hmm. And you would be surprised how quick people want you around if you're always asking to help. And then the last thing is yeah. a bigger blowout about conflict being good or bad. Yeah. There's room for both. You, you no nothing ever gets done without a little bit of conflict sure yeah. and not take it personally yeah it you understand that sometimes getting your idea across involves standing up for your thoughts mm-hmm. and supporting your ideas and fighting for them yeah. and con- conflict is not always bad that's that's really most important
1: yeah yeah it's a tough one to that last one in particular is a tough one to learn because not everyone's great with conflict but I, oh. and and you've said this to me before I've, I've heard you say it a lot um part of what's great about theater about this kind of collaborative creative work is that the best idea has to win yeah but in order for that to happen like you say you can't if you have the best idea you can't sit on it because you're worried you're going to offend somebody or you're worried that it's going to cause because
0: you don't think you can get a word in edgewise. yeah yeah you need to you need to stand pull up your pants and get in there
1: yeah let's talk about uh where they can find you
0: i have a linkedin account uh my name michael downs obviously and i'm in social media on instagram and on facebook Mm -hmm. and i do have a website from the 1930s (laughs) that, that i'm updating in the coming months should be up by the end of this summer 2020 uh, and I don't know what that will be called, but uh, but right now you can reach me at uh, downsart.net www.downsart.net, and that's a good way to reach me. At still, you can leave an email there, or uh, there's a cell phone listed, but you can also reach me on any of those social media accounts as well. That's great. Michael, extra downs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the E stands for extra. <laughs> well, this has been uh, an incredibly fun and insightful conversation.
0: Fun for me too.
1: Yeah, good, good. Um, I I think there's just so much that we can learn from from you and your career as a whole and the decisions you've made. And there's and it just it encompasses so much. Um, it really is, uh, you know, it it's no joke. Over 900. Productions. I mean, <laughs> that's not you know, it's that's not bullshit. That's those are real figures.
0: <laughs> One from every personality. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> well Matt, I wish you well with this endeavor. Thanks. Thanks so much. Good talking with you.
1: This has been another episode of Talk About the Industry. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Thanks for listening. If you liked this podcast, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to share them with me directly at talkabouttheindustrypodcast at gmail.com. I'd also like to extend my personal thanks to Michael Downs for designing and executing the incredible logo for this podcast, Talk About the Industry. I couldn't be happier with it. If you'd like to find out more about Michael Downs and his work, please visit his website at www.downsart.net, or you can find him on LinkedIn, Facebook, or on Instagram, where his handle is at Downsart, D-O-W-N-S-A-R-T. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.